everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about, uh, just a little bit about yourselves and how you kind of came to be in North Bay? A little over a year ago, I was offered a job in North Bay, and after a lot of prayer, and uh, it just, it was a job that came out of the blue, and I prayed to the Lord, like, am I to go, I'm not to go, and he said, yes, you're to go to North Bay, and he paved the way, everything fell right into place, and um, the first weekend I was here, I went online to see where there was a Wesleyan church, because we belonged to the Wesleyan church in Palmer Rapids, and lo and behold, the Wesleyan church was literally just around the corner from where I was living, <laughs> and uh, it, uh, as I said, so the Lord brought us to North Bay, and I came up first, and John wasn't going to, he was going to stay in our house in Palmer Rapids and keep it going for the winter, and he, out of the blue, decided come fall he was going to shut the house down and come to North Bay with me, and uh, so he followed me. <laughs> I couldn't get rid of him, <laughs> and uh, as I said, the Lord has been good to us. I said, we, he come up for the winter, and come spring, we put our house up for sale down there, and within three days, it was sold. So uh, that's telling us the Lord wants us in North Bay. And so here we are. And Palmer Rapids is a real hot housing market, isn't it? Uh, actually, no. <laughs> um, actually, when we put our house up for sale, everybody kind of laughed at us because uh, our house was actually a mobile home that had been converted into a house. And there had been some other houses that had been up for sale for three and four years. And everybody said, oh, it's not going to sell. Nothing's selling in this area. Like, you know, you can sell it, but, or put up for sale, but it's not going to sell. Well, people were completely blown away that it sold within three days. And so the Easter. Lord definitely had, yeah, it was actually Easter Saturday we listed it, and by Thursday it was sold. Wow. So the Lord right. definitely had his hand in selling that house. Um, I decided this summer to retire, and as I said, if chances are if that house hadn't sold, we would have ended up moving back to Palmer Rapids. So the Lord wants us in North Bay. We're not sure why, but we're here. <laughs> You know, I, can, I, can I admit, when I first met you, Vivian, and I didn't quite understand, it sounded like you're trying to get rid of John or something. <laughs> like, I was, no, I was, but I just kidding. <laughs> so, John, you grew, you grew up in, in, Palmer uh, in Palmer Rapids, yeah. Where is, where is Palmer Rapids, just for people that might not know in general? Well, how, it's on the other side of Bancroft, in between there and Pembroke. Yeah. And it's, yeah. what will I say? We're about an hour, we're about an hour out of Pembroke. Um, yeah. Anybody in Ban Barry's Bay area, that general, we're about three and a half hours from here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wonderful. Do you have more to say? Where I'm going to start. Yeah. Well, we, you know, go ahead. No, you go ahead. We, uh, we were talking this uh, a, a little while ago, and of course, uh, we, uh, we, wanna, we, we wondered about your story of faith, right? right. And, uh, and so you were sharing a little bit about how you, you met did. the Lord. 1981, I guess. Yeah, right. Around that, I went to uh, a separation, a divorce, and I, it was hard on me. Like I, uh, and especially it's hard on the one that tries to make it go. It's like a debt, 
in your family. Mm -hmm. And I had on the farm that time, there was a f uh, man, he came back to the farm, his dad owned it. He used to be a missionary, uh, went to Bible college, and his name was Vernon Hillebrand. And his wife played the piano, and we got, he got, he was like an older brother to me. And we went out, he went out a couple nights to dance with me, and he talked to me, and I was hurting, and he gave me a book, Words of Wisdom, by Billy Graham. Mm. He and showed Robert it to me. Yeah. Psalms, and, and I read it, and uh, one night in bed, I just laid there, and I started praying to myself. I asked, I, for, I was a sinner, and I for, well, asked for his forgiveness, and I asked him to help me, and to get me through this, and... And I don't know, he helped me meet Vivian. <laughs> that was good Wonderful, yeah. That was good. And I had this, I was pray a hot feeling went through me. Like real burn. And I was pray I went to open my eyes and they wouldn't open. And I just laid there. And then I said, Lord, thank you. I know you've, you're here. You're helping me. And ever, he did. Yeah. And we went through our trials and from then on with this you know, things sure, and yeah. then in 2002 we were passed through uh, Ed McKay we, we went to an alpha course where it was Christ in the home mm -hmm. so every time we were going down or something he brought us back up Yeah, yeah. and yeah. if we didn't have the Lord behind us it wouldn't be working <laughs> you know you need in a, in a home and in a heart so yeah. wonderful he brought yeah. us to it all yeah. If, you, yeah. If, that's, if you don't go away with anything more if you don't have the Lord behind you, it wouldn't be working. That's, <laughs> that's, that's that, right. Isn't that and, good? Yeah. And there's a verse in the Bible. It's, it's easier for a camel to go to. I have a needle is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But that don't mean he can't go to heaven, a rich man. He can, but he can't buy his way there, you mm -hmm. know. And sometimes they're so rich, they don't want to help the poor, help the church, anything. Yeah. And there is also the poor man that, has nothing, has no home to go to. Yeah. But if he'd only get down and pray and admit that he's a sinner and that and he has failed and he needs the Lord's help and keep following that, there will be a home in heaven for him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's the way I feel. That's awesome. And the gentleman I met yesterday, I, I felt for him. Yeah. And I yeah. know he's hurt. It could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be. A separation is life, but if he remembers that to pray and repent yeah. and really follow the Lord, yeah. Yeah. he'll have a home in heaven. Amen. Yeah, yeah. We we met Timothy came uh, was a gentleman that came to our breakfast yesterday, and and so can we just stop and pray for Timothy right now? Yes. Timothy Wabano, I think his last name was. Lord, we thank you for Timothy. We pray wherever he is right now that you provide for his needs, and uh, and Lord, we. Uh, uh, we pray that you would uh, draw him to yourself. We believe he, uh, he was sharing a little bit of his story and just uh, how you have impacted his life. And we pray your blessing on Timothy today. We thank you in Jesus' name. It, uh, it, you know, it's interesting as I was talking to, to John and Vivian, they, there's a few, uh, um, the, you said Ed McKay, the pastor mm -hmm. that uh, was of a help to you guys. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I'm like, Ed McKay? I grew up uh, in Roblin and just three, you know, country three doors up, but three doors up, uh, Ed and uh, his wife Bernice had a summer home there, <laughs> three doors up. So I remember, you know, I played with his son, John, and, and uh, so it was, it was really, 
neat to kind of just have that, that connection. So. And we were uh, caretakers at his campsite going late for probably what, two, three, three years? years yeah. 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 So we got in touch with him not too long ago and he said, I don't know if it helped. He said, we're one of the best caretakers you have. <laughs> now, I don't know if he was wanting well, us back because well, you have no caretakers. <laughs> we're talking about humility here a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, no, that's wonderful. Yeah. No, so but, so, Vivian, how about you? What was your story of faith? Well, I was raised in a, a church that, or a home that went to church every Sunday. And, and as a teenager, I uh, accepted Christ as a teenager. And uh, then through the course of the year, you... You kind of float up and down, and, and uh, uh, I met a, a young man who, and I was in my late teens, and, and I became a Catholic um, because his family, that was the thing to do, and, and so I felt I was very strong. I've, I've always been a very strong believer, periodly, and, uh, and as I said, then him and I went through separation a lot, same kind of story that John and I, that John went through, and uh, it, um, it really... I look back, and it was a very difficult separation, and I I knew that there was. It got to the point that I, my 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 world was going like a hundred ways all at one time, and I finally I just had to renew myself with Christ because I could not have done it by myself, and without the Lord in my life, I wouldn't be here today. Um, I had two small children, and He was there. He walked with me. He carried me, and um, as I said, the Lord brought this one into my life. <laughs> and as I said, it just, I remember back a few years ago, a lady talking about things I'd been through. And she said, how on earth did you ever survive going through all of that stuff? And I said, you know what? If it hadn't been the Lord and my faith, I would never have survived. And the Lord is good. And uh, as I said, we, I met John. I, we actually, at that point, John was in the United Church and, um, then the church turned into Wesleyan, and that's how we ended up being, a, being part of the Wesleyan church. And as I said, the Lord has led us through so much, and he is our strength. And without him, nobody could ever survive. And the faith is, is definitely the, is what carries us through. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. It's, uh, so you don't know uh, where the future, where, where the... What the future holds, but you're just trusting the Lord. We're trusting yeah. the Lord. As I said, um, North Bay was absolutely the last place that we ever thought that we would be living. Mm -hmm. And as I said, when I decided to retire, different ones back in Palmer said, oh, so you've retired, so you're coming back to Palmer. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're here. We love um, it. We have grounded. And we... We lived in different places. We were in Brockville and Pembroke because she was a manager and a supervisor for a jewelry store. Mm -hmm. So she had to move with them. And yeah. He's followed me all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, she's retired. So if you need some advice I, about yeah. uh, jewelry or anything, you're... Or packing. Uh, trust me, uh, I've got packing yes. down to a science. <laughs> I... Uh, had a farm. We had a farm, and yeah. uh, I worked for the Redford County School Board as a custodian. Mm -hmm. And I hurt my back there, and I had to take an early retirement. Mm -hmm. And so I think I can settle down here. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's what well, you're just around the corner, really, from where Christy and I live yeah. on Douglas Street in the yeah. apartment building there. And, yeah. and uh, so. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Anything, anything more you'd like to share? No, nope. just, you know what? If nothing else, put your trust in the Lord, and he'll carry you through no matter what situation you're going through. Amen. 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 
That's wonderful. Can we give them a hand? <laughs> wonderful. Thank you for sharing today. I hope you felt right at home in your, <laughs> in your love seat. <laughs> oh, awesome. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Wonderful story of uh, faithfulness. Just want to look for just a moment today at, uh, uh, at that passage that uh, Fern read just a little bit ago from Ephesians. And uh, you know, we talked about this is, this is my story. And I was thinking of, of, uh, of that and where God would have us go. And I, I thought of the idea that, you know, as I've talked to some, when they think of their story and maybe the, tra- the trajectory, that's not how you say it, can't get it out, but uh, of their lives, they kind of throw up their hands a bit and say, you know what, my, the trajectory of my life, it can't change. I'm just kind of on this path and it's, it's headed somewhere. And I thought of the idea and the reality that our story can change. Our story can change. Change, I believe change is possible. Do you believe change is possible? Of course, we can't change the past, right? The past is the past. It happened. Uh, but do you believe that life can change, that tomorrow can be different in a different trajectory? I keep coming to that word, and I don't say it right. But, you know, again, I've talked to some people that really they would say, no, no, it doesn't. Life, people don't change. Uh, change is not really possible. The, we are a product of our parents, of our upbringing, of our culture, uh, they say. And sadly, they may, again, may point back to some event that happened and say, you know what, that happened to me, and so therefore this is my future. And you know what, we all know that change is hard, right? We all know that change is hard. It's not easy to change. It's so easy to fall back into to old habits, things like that. You know, it was interesting. This past week, I heard uh, Pastor Stephen Barkley, who uh, we had just come and speak to us. He's a pastor in Bracebridge, uh, speak to the pastor's prayer group here in town. And, and he had done some research. And, you know, sometimes some folks are completely disinterested in this kind of stuff. But just for us, when we talk about the different generations, it's interesting because different generations often kind of have certain characteristics. You know, you, you hear about boomers or millennials or things like that. Well, the new generation coming up is called Generation, well, in Canada, we would say Generation Z. And, uh, and they're kind of the children of the millennials. And one thing he said that is a common trait, uh, and again, there's always good, good traits and there's always some traits that maybe we have to work through. One of the traits is that they're averse to difficulty, <laughs> right? If something is hard, typically they're like, well, you know, let's take the easy path, right? I think we've all got a little bit of Generation Z in us at times. But uh, change can be hard, right? Change can be hard. And sometimes we say, why even try? Why even try? And I get it. I get it. Change can be hard. But... If we believe the Bible is true, which we do, we're people, aren't we, that look at a tomb and believe there can be resurrection? That there is new life possible? That in God's hands, where we are, where we are is not where we have to be. 
in God's hands, where we are is not where we have to be. We are a new creation. We have renewed minds. We're overcoming people. All these words are throughout the scriptures. Do we, do we believe that? Do we believe that? Most of us love a good, a good change story, don't we? I mean, we love reading about Paul in the scriptures when, you know, he was on the way to persecute the church and he met Jesus himself and his life took a 180, right? And he turned right around and started proclaiming this truth. And you know what? There are times in our life that change is like that. You know, there are times when we do a 180, you know, we believe that when we come to, uh, when we come to Christ, I love, I love that part of your story, John, when you just, you know what, isn't it wonderful that it was, it was just yourself, God had used this man, he gave you a book, and you prayed to the Lord, and he met you there, right, and there was a change that happened, right, God, uh, God does those kind of, kind of things, and you might look at your life and say, boy, I don't know, I, I, I seem to be on this certain path. You know, Scripture, of course, speaks about these things. Let me read Matthew 7, verse 13. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And you might say, boy, I don't know how to stop this train. But what a privilege to say that that. Jesus is that road, right? He can help you turn and do a 180. He said in John 10, verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so I begin our time today just saying, maybe you need that 180, (laughs) right? Maybe you recognize that your life is not going in the right direction. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today through something that we've said or, or sung. The scripture says that we need to receive Jesus, believe in his name, and he gives the right to become children of God. And he turns us from death to life and puts us on the right road. If that's you, if you're, you're, you know, you're, uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, press into him. Pray to the Lord. He will hear and surrender to him. There are those doorways you walk through in life that are life change moments. But, but I know that many of us have, have made that decision to turn to Christ. And it's wonderful. We celebrate that today. But the change isn't supposed to end. It's not supposed to end there. Jesus wants to do more. He wants to do more in our lives. He wants to change us to be more like him. And the change is good. (laughs) The change is good. I believe we need to change sometimes as we kind of take a broad look and look at our church and say, okay, God, what work do you want to do in us? What change do you want to do in us? And one thing, I, I think that I want us to kind of examine our hearts a little bit today is... I think we can always grow and change in the area of how we treat one another and how we treat one another. You know what? I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe you're on a different place than me, but I find myself sometimes stepping back and say, boy, I, I didn't really reflect Christ there the way I want to, or I didn't, I need to grow. I need to change. And I hope 
as you examine your heart, you come to that conclusion. So how, how, do we, how do we change? How do we become more like Christ in this, in this area? You know, I, uh, I heard an illustration from, from John Maxwell. And uh, can I just say, just kind of go on a, just a little rabbit trail here for a second. You know, sometimes I feel like when I say a name like John Maxwell, maybe you don't know who he is. Maybe you do. He's a very well-known guy. I feel there's a bit of suspicion. <laughs> All right. Who is this guy? Right. And the irony is sometimes I feel suspicion over people that are really well-known. Boy, there must be something wrong with them if they're well-known. But I also feel the same suspicion if, you, if no one knows them. <laughs> and so can I just say, we need to be learning from others that are, that are ahead of us. There are wonderful people that have things to speak into our lives. We never, this is the one way I, I've heard it put, we never s- supplant or, or take the Bible away and replace it with something else. But we need to be learning from those that support the Bible. There's those that have gone ahead of us and wrestled with some of the same questions we're wrestling with. And we can receive help from them. So I would ask you, who are you learning from? Right? Who are you learning from? There's wonderful. We've never been in an age today where we have more resources. We need to be picky about them. I understand that. Uh, But we need to be learning from others. So that's my rabbit trail. I'm back on the, on the main road here. Uh, I heard an illustration from John Maxwell that, uh, about what he calls the rule of five. The rule of five. And, it, and it's just simply this. Uh, he put it this way. If there was a tree in your backyard and, that needed to be chopped down. You know, it actually, it, it reminds me that uh, in our backyard, our neighbor, there's this beautiful, it once was beautiful, this huge birch tree beside our, uh, I think it's birch or, well, it might be ash, I'm second guessing myself. But it's this beautiful big tree, and it's dead. <laughs> we kind of saw yeah, last year that it was starting to die, and it, it needs to come down. And so I could go to my neighbor, John, and say, John, can I cut your, you know, can I get that tree down? And so I'm going to get an axe, and I go out, and every day I'm going to take five chops at that tree, okay? And so the day one I get out there, and I, you know, I swing, and I take chop, 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 chop. And that's all I do. I put it down. And then I come back the next day, chop, 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 chop. Five times, right? Well, what will eventually happen to that tree? It will fall down, <laughs> right? It will fall down eventually, depending on the size of the tree, right? It's, uh, if it was a small tree, it may only take a, a week. If it was a large tree, who knows? It could take months to get that tree down. I don't know. But every day, chop, chop. We just make a little bit of progress. You know, there is life change that is 180 degrees in nature, right? There's life change that you're going one direction and you know you've got to turn away from it and go the other direction. But a lot of life change happens five chops at a time. You understand what I'm saying? It happens five chops at a time. That every day, chop, chop, chop. And you, 
and you work at it. And every day, every day you work those things in. And you know what? It, it, really, there was a strong argument to be made that it's those little things that we do every day are much more important than the big things that we do. Because they are the stuff life is made of. And so we come to this passage in, in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're just going to look at the very beginning of that. And let me read, read the first three verses. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And we'll end there. And notice how it begins, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Doesn't, doesn't this suggest that you can live a life unworthy of the calling you've received? Paul wouldn't be, wouldn't be urging the Ephesians to make a change in how they were living if they were already doing it right, would he? And so I want to give you five things, five chops that we can make, that we can build into our lives, that I believe we need to do every, every day, every time we come together, when we think of how we treat one another. Because we want to build these things into our lives. And so when we look back, we say, boy, we felled that tree. We felled that tree. And we begin, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. And my points are not uh, necessarily hugely creative. It's be humble, <laughs> right? That's the first one today. Be, be humble. Jesus showed us what it meant to be humble, didn't he? Even though he was God, he humbled himself and became a man. Make that straight path for us because of his love for us. Being humble says, I set aside my rights to make, to put you first. I set aside my rights to put you first. You know, we live in a very rights-oriented culture, right? Right? Um, we come and say, I need this. This is what I, me, I, right? And that's just how we how we, uh, more and more it seems, we talk that way. But Jesus turned that upside down, and he gave up his rights so he could serve us. Serve seems a, a, an empty word for what he did, but he gave them up and put us first. He humbled himself. And so I think when we come together as people, as a church, and of course, this goes beyond even that. I think that's one of the chops. Be humble. When we, whatever it is we do, when we come to a breakfast, when we come and park our car, when we come in, and when we talk to somebody, humble. Okay, humble. I'm, it's, not, it's not all about me, right? Every day, every conversation, and you know what's beautiful about that is that is that when we come and do that, really the goal, of course, is that it is reciprocated. That's not why we do it, 
but it's reciprocated. Imagine when two people come together and are, you know, they might almost have a humble fight, <laughs> right? Who could put the other one first? Every day, every conversation, every time we meet together. Be completely humble and gentle and gentle. Number two, be gentle. It doesn't, it doesn't say to be wimpy or spineless or gutless. You know, sometimes I think that word gentle gets a bad rap because it sounds like, oh, you know, be gentle and just fall over and let them walk on you. It, I mean, basically, it, it means don't be harsh, right? We've all experienced times when we, we've had someone be harsh to us. Consider how the other person is feeling, right? In, in life, when we have something difficult to share with someone, we, we say things like, let them down gently, <laughs> right? If we have hard things to say, let them down gently. Doesn't, doesn't that mean to be considerate and to be kind? It doesn't, it doesn't mean we don't have disagreements, because you could kind of take what I'm saying today and say, boy, we just all have to be these automatons that think the same way and walk. That's not what we're talking about. How do we live together when we do have disagreements? That's really what we're talking about. Are we humble? Are we gentle? There are times that we have to work through hard things. Being in unity as a church doesn't mean we always agree. But it does mean we put Christ and his desires for us in our church before me in my house. I've heard some get so, uh, you know, so passionate about an issue. And maybe, you know, maybe you're one of them. I've done this at times. That they full-on attack others, right? That's, what's, that's what we're kind of grappling with as a society with this online stuff, these online conversations. You know what? I, I used to think maybe, you know, uh, Facebook and these things are a place we can, we can talk and have these conversations. But uh, if you're in that world at all, you know there's been times nobody's listening, <laughs> right? Nobody's listening. Everyone's just attacking one another sometimes. This is not what Jesus taught us to do, is it? It's not what the Apostle Paul is teaching us today. As I, heard, as I heard someone say, you can sometimes win an argument and lose a person along the way. We aren't about winning arguments, but sharing the truth in love and letting the Holy Spirit do his work. Be gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Be patient. Let's get through this one quick because it's not my favorite. So be patient, number four. We're not going to skip over it that easily, <laughs> right? Be patient. Being patient is giving allowance for others to find their way in God's timing, not yours. You know what? There's something that, uh, that I learned, and I, I confess this often, and and I need to keep confessing because it keeps happening, right? I'm impatient when it comes to traffic, right? I'm impatient. But you know what the reality is? And I think there's a lesson here uh, for me and for us today that I am most impatient when I really had complete power to change something about that, right? I'm most impatient when I'm late. 
and the light turns red. Right, Chrissy? Is that right? <laughs> right? It's, I know it's silly, whatever. But sometimes we need to create space to be patient. Do you, know what I, do you know what I mean? We need to create that space. Sometimes the reality is we are not patient with one another because we haven't valued them enough to give them a little bit of space. Right? I think of, uh, I think of uh, a gentleman that, uh, uh, in Brockville that we knew uh, named James Bangma. James lived across, when we were in an apartment for a little while, James lived across the hall from us. He lived uh, on his own, but he had, uh, uh, he had Down syndrome. And, uh, and James was quite a character. And uh, I, I shared this a while ago, but James, uh, you could call it an obsession. <laughs> Every Easter, he had an obsession with being Jesus in the Easter play. And uh, I remember I was kind of the new new pastor uh, on the block, and and you know all of a sudden this this you know James obviously had some you know uh, uh, speech impediments and things like that, and and comes and talks about him wanting to be Jesus, and uh, I didn't know that there was a long history of this, <laughs> right? And uh, and it just it would have been very hard for him to play that character, and we tried to kind of. Because, because we couldn't understand him, right? And so we would give him other, you know, other, uh, other important roles, but there was no fooling James. He wanted, <laughs> he wanted this, and it just was this ongoing thing. And you know what? I saw the church, they would be pushed a bit, but I saw the church love James. I saw them be patient with James. I saw them Give him some space, if you know what I mean, right? Are we patient with one another? And allowing God to work in his, in his timing. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. I, I, I love that phrase, right? Because... Have you not had some folks in your life where you're like, all right, I'm going to bear. I'm just going to bear with this (laughs) for a little while. Number four, love is our demeanor. Right? You know that word demeanor? It's, you've met people with a certain demeanor, right? You've walked up to people and you know they're going to be negative right away (laughs) before you even get there. Right? They've got a demeanor about them. Is love our demeanor? Is the air of us, so to speak, <laughs> love is our stance that we will love, that we will love above all. When you, when you are with other people, they sometimes do and say things that can be frustrating, right? We don't dismiss people. We bear with one another in love, showing them grace as Christ has shown us grace. And then it ends with this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Number five, on our chops every day. Every time we come together, are we humble? Are we gentle? Are we loving? Stay focused on the main thing. Stay focused on the main thing. 
We are not unified because we all think alike, right? Every so often we have this conversation. What does it mean to be in unity? Does it mean that we all think exactly alike? And, you know, let's face it. You think, sometimes you think you're right. Sometimes your spouse thinks they're right. (laughs) Sometimes I think, right? And we kind of sometimes bump against one another. And when those things agree, we get along. When they don't, sometimes there's friction. But is that the kind of unity we're talking about, that we all just kind of agree? Our unity, it says it's the unity of the Spirit. Our unity is because of what Christ has done. It is because of the mission that he has given us. To invite people into a life-giving, fully devoted relationship with him. And and we let that live itself out in us. That's where our unity is. That's That's when we can debate on a decision, but then move together. If your desires and my desires are Christ's desires, then we can... We can have the kind of unity that is spoken of here. We keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So, does this describe, does this describe you? Does this describe us? There's always more that God wants to do in our hearts and in our church. And we keep chopping away at it. Right? We keep chopping away and asking ourselves when we come together, all right, boy, I'm, I, I'm met with a situation here. I want to do this. <laughs> but we run it through this filter and say, is, is that response humble? Is that gentle? Is it patient? Is it full of love? Is it keeping the main thing the main thing? And we say, God, help us. And we respond, and sometimes we're right in alignment with God, and sometimes, boy, we get it off a bit, and so next day we we chop a little bit more, and God does that change and that work in us as we surrender to him. Every Sunday, every service, every time we meet, every, every email, every phone call, humble, gentle, patient, loving, focused, humble, Gentle, patient, loving, focused. And that's how he makes us who he wants us to be as we're on the road with him. And we, we end with just a notice of something right from the beginning of this passage. Notice how Paul began this passage as a prisoner for the Lord. Right, we know that Paul found himself literally in prison often because he was living out these things. And it's just a reminder that change in us isn't always easy. It sometimes is the difficult road. But it's worth it. It's pleasing to the Lord. And as we surrender to him on those daily chops... (laughs) He'll fell the trees that we can't even imagine falling in our lives.
So this morning, as we, uh, as we have begun our series, This Is My Story, we look ahead and say, boy, can God really, can God really make a change? I hope you're encouraged that he has, and he does, through John and Vivian's story today. And he, he's going to keep working on them he's keep, as he works on us. But he can change the trajectory. <laughs> he can do the change in us. I wonder if we could stand today. I don't think we're going to uh, sing our closing song, but I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to pray for us. Amen. I wonder if we could bow our heads and uh, and I don't do this to kind of uh, uh, single you out and, or anything, but just I wonder. I'm going to be looking around, and I wonder with an uplifted hand, you'd say, "Yeah, God has spoke to me today, and I uh, He has a work to do in me." Would you put your hand up? Amen. I do that because I want to pray for you. You can put your hands down. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are here with us and you have answered our prayer. And we're so grateful today. And uh, Lord, I thank you that, uh, uh, that we can come together. You know, some people, uh, some people ask the question. There's those asking in our community, what relevance does the church have? And God, when I look at, when I look at this and, the, and I look at how I treat people and how uh, some of my language and actions, boy, God, I, I need this. I need to grow. I need to be uh, more humble and, and patient and loving. And Lord, we thank you that, that as we come together, that you want to work on these things in our lives as we surrender them to you. And so, Lord, I thank you for those hands that were raised that would just admit before you, really, I know I saw their hands, but really it's before you admitting, yeah, I need, I need some help. <laughs> and God, I think the church, your church, is so relevant today because we need you. We need you. We need help. We can't do this on our own. And so, Lord, we believe that your Holy Spirit indwells us and helps us and guides us. And, Lord, you can help us in those little and big things that come along. As we chop that tree, you can do that work in us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be obedient. Lord, help us not to get overwhelmed by the tree. We leave that to you when it will fall. We're faithful in what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, I would pray for each one that has raised their hand, that you would help them in what you have spoken to them about. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be, uh, to be growing in this area. And, uh, Lord, we, uh, we thank you. And so, Lord, we have come today. We, uh, Lord, uh, you have encouraged us and helped us and challenged us and inspired us. And, uh, Lord, you've given us uh, reminders to just pray for one another and helped us to get to know each other a little bit better. Thank you for John and Vivian. We thank you for getting to know them and bless them today. And, uh, Lord, we, uh, we pray that you bless our time of fellowship after our service. And, uh, Lord, we are grateful. We give all these things to you in the name of your Son, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, 
LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church, following Christ, growing together. Thank you.